0: Welcome, everybody, to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host Joanna Fleming, and I am your co-host Hannah First. So, Joe, um, big news today. Yes, we are officially living in the most lockdown city
1: in the world. Yes, we Very are. Very exciting! Yay. So. <laughs> Most livable to most lockdown.
0: Yes, it's it's a very exciting time for Melbournians um, to have reached that milestone. Mm. So I actually thought what we could do is, um, do you remember Courtney Kardashian, they always on their holidays do the peak and the pit of their yes. holiday?
1: Well, I do this at home. Honey asked <laughs> me
0: all the time. <laughs> well, I thought we could do the peak and the pit of our lockdown. Okay. Why don't we just do this year, 2021 so far? Because, right. I mean, last okay. year was just a... Um, cluster, f- beep yep. Matthew, but um, this year's been a little bit better. So, so it's not Have just it? all pits. <laughs>
2: okay. I've had
0: a great, I've had a great year, weirdly. Sorry, oh, but that's good. F- good for you. I've done, I've read so many self-help books. I can't yeah. even, I don't even know where to begin. So there's been a lot of inner growth, not a lot of, I haven't got a lot of external things in my life, like a boyfriend yep. or a job or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that like, I, I think internal growth has been, has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. I had to buy a bookshelf. I have so many self-help books now.
1: Wow, where are you putting your puzzles?
0: Um, I might be getting rid of those when lockdown ends. Really, <laughs> it feels a bit embarrassing if I have a gentleman friend over and I've got you know no, thirty it's puzzles. Not. There's nothing wrong with together. a puzzle.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would love to hear. I can do my peek in my. Yeah, peek. you do yours first, and you can have a little think. All right, yes. So- The pit was um, around, like, I think April, May of this year, Um, as you all know, I quit my full-time job at Adore um, because I just wanted to, like, take a break and go live life after being in lockdown. And then, you know, pretty much straight away, we've been back in and out of lockdown the entire time. (laughs) So that was, like, a little bit of,
1: like, I was Hey, you had a little trip to Queensland and then you came back. Because you didn't find Colin Farrell.
0: <laughs> my Well, my friend moved to the Gold Coast and I was like, oh, my God, and I wanted to go to this ashram. I had like this list of things that I kind of wanted to do this year mm. in Australia and basically – I, I've just been sitting at home. So yeah. that wasn't the best decision on my behalf. <laughs> um, <laughs> the peak was the border announcement the other day. I literally almost died. I could not
1: yeah. believe it. Like, That's very exciting. Have, have you booked your ticket to Thailand yet? So
0: I'm, I've got my birthday mid-December. I've got like yep. a list of activities I want to do for my birthday. And then I'm thinking December or Jan, we've got to wait and see what happens. Like who mm. knows? So it is a waiting game. It just feels like we're getting a little bit closer to Thailand, all of us. So yes. And
1: um, everything that Thailand represents. So I'm very excited. My pit is very similar to yours. Uh, in that obviously we aren't able to go anywhere, although I was very lucky to do trips to Tassie and the Gold Coast mm-hmm. in our brief stint of freedom. So that was probably a highlight. Um, but the biggest peak for me has probably been moving in with Hattie because I, like I don't think I could have done another lockdown at my parents' house. Mm, so yes, I know. Thank yep. God. I've been in this house. We can make cocktails all the time. and. Yeah, you guys have fun. from
0: from Instagram. It seems like you guys have a lot of fun together.
1: We do. Yeah, it has been mm. really fun, and I'm very grateful for that because otherwise, I would have been having a, an even shorter time. <laughs>
0: so, mm. so, no, yeah. I thought that I. Th- I think you moving out has been a real peak.
1: Yeah, I needed to get back out again. It had been yep. been a couple of years, so yeah about time I got my independence back, which has been good. But apart from that, there hasn't been that many peaks, I'll be honest. It's been a been a low year for me. What are you manifesting for 2022? Um, I think I need a change of scenery. So yep. I'm almost thinking moving somewhere else.
0: Sydney, Sydney. I reckon it's Sydney.
1: Maybe Sydney or yep, maybe even it. overseas if I think of, a place that I would want to go. So you're manifesting living somewhere else. I think so. I think I just need that change of scenery. You know, when you're in that phase in your life, and it's kind of like all my friends are married, and well, most of them, and thinking about having kids and stuff, and I'm just not in that phase same. yet. So I feel like same. I want to, I want to live a different chapter to what they're living because I'm not doing the same stuff as them. So mm. yeah, just broadening my horizons a little bit, seeing what else is out there after two years of being locked in the house. Yeah.
0: Love that mm. for
1: you. Um, what am I manifesting? I mean, yeah, I really,
0: you manifesting. I'm, just, I'm really manifesting like flying overseas. Like I just, it's all I can yeah. really think about. But I, I, do, <laughs> I do, I do, I do worry that the vibe will have changed. You know, like yeah,
1: won't be as carefree because of COVID restrictions. Yeah, or- like
0: I, I just wonder whether you know, passing on the beach will still be a thing. Might be a little bit
1: frowned upon, a little bit. They might make you do like a PCR test. Well, um, on that note, what is on this week's episode? Uh, On this week's episode, hang on, for once I don't have it up. Um, On this week's episode, we are talking to Jana Pittman. Uh, That's going to be a surprise topic, but those of you who have seen SAS Australia will know what we're talking about. And then we're speaking to a repeat guest, Katie Bacon. I'm sorry. There's just um actually hail on my window right now and it's really loud.
0: It's ha- hailing over your really? side? Yeah,
1: it's hailing. It's sunny yeah. over here. Oh, wow. We're that far apart, are we? Yeah, we are, clearly. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to pick up on my mic or not.
0: It's really loud. I'll I'll continue on. Um, Leave that in, Matthew. So then we're speaking (laughs) to Katie Bacon about what actually is glowy skin and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. I can hear the hail coming through my head. Yes, I
1: feel like my window is going to (laughs) shatter. If we have to cut this short, it's because of that. So I was actually having a conversation with my sister-in-law the other night and she said... Did you know Yana Pittman's a doctor? And I said, <laughs> where'd that come from? <laughs> uh, I need I knew what I, she was talking about. I've seen all the ads for the TV yeah, show. So yeah, so I'd seen the ads for SAS Australia, but I had no idea that our guest for today's cringy combo, Yana Pittman, is actually a doctor, but also <laughs> a former Olympian. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yes, it's a very big change of career,
3: but I'm very, very lucky that I found something I love even more than sport.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, my sister-in-law was like, you've got to get her on the podcast, this episode that she was in. It was so good. She's like amazing. She's so good with the other contestants. And I was like, wow. All right. Yeah. That <laughs> oh, that's nice. um, so we're very excited to talk to you today. I'm sure you've uh, been receiving a lot of praise online. Um, Hannah, I'll let you jump yeah. into the first question.
0: So most of our audience will remember you as a former three-time Olympian, but you're now a doctor and a mum of four. What on earth made you decide to go on SAS Australia? <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> look, look, it was a great challenge, I think is the biggest the biggest reason. Uh, I'm sure if you've had kids, you know that it's your body changes a lot. And uh, I, I think the athlete mentality never really left. And I used to worry and wish that that body would come back. So having a goal to train for was, was the first reason or one of the reasons um, and just to try and get fit and get healthy again, and and the second reason was my my brother was actually in in Afghanistan as in the army a number of years ago, and I love the experience that he he talks of and and the the hardship that they went through. So I guess. I've always been a bit of a secret wannabe uh, army person. So I, I thought, why not give it a shot? This is probably the closest I'll ever get to give selection a trial. Um, I'm certainly not fit enough to do the real deal. So uh, <laughs> it was just great. It was just a great to have a chance to, yeah, to live and, and breathe what they have on a small amount.
1: As I said earlier, there was a particular scene that aired in a recent episode that we wanted to talk about with you because as a doctor and a mum, you're very well equipped to speak about it, but you openly admitted that you'd wet yourself during (laughs) a challenge on SAS. And mind you, this was only filmed six months after your fourth baby wow. was born, which is amazing. I couldn't even do this and I've never had anything. <laughs> I would never be able to do that. Can you tell us why it was so important to you to destigmatize that? A
3: couple of reasons. Um, I think the you know, I was embarrassed. Uh, there's no way of getting around that. And mm. um, I am working in women's health now, so I'm regularly almost on a daily basis, talking to women who have incontinence and the, the the sadness they feel around that. And you know, not being able to talk to their friends or their or their husband about it and, and opening that conversation around what it feels like to have incontinence, but also by not having that conversation, they're not getting help. So they're not going mm. to see a physio. They're not trying to find ways and means to change that aspect of their life. And I actually became acutely aware of this in around around t- 2012. So um, I was doing a speaking gig and I was talking about how um, in 2007, after my first son, I'd won the world championship seven months after having a baby and I'd never, ever mentioned before that I wet myself over the last hurdle. So I run 400 meters Mm. by the way. So I run over 10 obstacles and it was the first time it was a women's breakfast and I just felt comfortable. It was a really wonderful event. And I admitted that I had to put water all over my crutch because I knew as I came off the last hurdle, I'd lose control of my bladder. Um, and the room was mm. silent and a couple of ladies came up after me and said, thank you so much for sharing that because some of us often watch people like you and Serena Williams who go back to playing sport full time and think they're inadequate because they can't do the same. Mm. And so I remember, the, I remember the moment happening. I was very sure it was going to happen because <laughs> I was been waiting myself in training in the lead up to SAS and it happened to such a degree that I knew it was I wasn't going to be able to hide it. It was, you know, it was obvious on my pants. And then I sat there for a minute thinking about it and I thought, no, you know, if I can't as a future gynecologist be open about this and share this extreme journey with women, then then there's something wrong with me, not with the women at home who think they have issues with their pelvis.
1: Mm. Well, you were getting a lot of praise on social media from other women after this episode aired, but there were also a lot of comments about the chief instructor and what he said (laughs) to you once you'd admitted that. And he said, Too much information. I don't want to know about your pelvis. (laughs) How did you feel about that comment at the time? Were you like ready to rip his head off? (laughs)
3: the thing is, I think you've got to put it in context in all truth. Like he doesn't want us to talk at all, let alone about our pee. So like, uh, it's very much, you you don't talk like, you know, it's, it's a very strict environment. I think I was just talking too much. So, but you know, it probably instigated more conversation, didn't it? Because it is a topic that we get Mm. shut down about. So I think it was
1: poor Ant. I adore him. He's, Mm -hmm. he's,
3: so he's a wonderful character and and um yeah <laughs> he definitely copped it.
1: <laughs> I will say I watched quite a few um clips from the show after my sister in laura told me about it and I saw that clip of um is it Sam Burgess going through the the tunnel the oh, I know. tunnel oh with his God, shoulders. That gave me so much jibbies. claustrophobia. I yeah. couldn't even watch it. I was having like heart palpitations. Yeah. I don't know how any of you did this.
3: They didn't actually show I mean they showed it on the time clock how stuck he got, but he was stuck for yeah. ages because we we watched people going and you know there was you know one would come and the next one would get called and the next one get called and, oh and we were just standing there waiting and he would got called I'm like what is going on because it was like an hour and a half I'm still standing there in, in you know waiting for him to come back and it's like oh my
1: god uh, <laughs> poor guy it would have terrified me I would have started panicking and been
2: like cut me out of here <laughs>
3: I think we were extremely lucky to have a group of recruits that really bonded almost from day mm-hmm. one um, and had each other's backs the whole way. So, because there was lots of embarrassing moments, like me wedding myself, and you know, and and a lot of us break down and cry, and we talk about mental mm-hmm. health and we talk about loss, and to have the support of each other allowed us to do that. And I, I honestly mm-hmm. don't think it would have been such a raw, real show had we not all bonded the way we did, and therefore encouraged each other's honesty. Because otherwise, you just get mm-hmm. nervous and, and feel judged, whereas that. Those walls were taken down very quickly. So um, yeah. maybe because they gassed us on the first day, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it opens right. up people's
1: vulnerability a lot. What did it you did. learn most about people from that experience?
3: I Actually, it's even since the airing. Um, I've, my faith in people's compassion has gone through the roof. Mm. You know, um, that moment with wedding myself could have gone either way, and the outpouring of, of responses from the public has been overwhelmingly beautiful and I felt lifted up rather than labeled drama or whatnot, which I have had in the mm. past, obviously. So it was, it was just, it's so, yeah, for me, it's just shown me so much faith in in the humankind again and and how so how different people are. Like I don't think in our mm. Mark Philippoussis and I are probably the most similar in the group. Otherwise everybody else are so fundamentally different, different, but yet we work so well as a group and as a team. And you know, I just think it's 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 been a really inspiring and interesting Challenge to being part of. Mm.
1: Well, it's probably the only time someone's gone on a almost reality, I guess, TV show and not been absolutely slammed afterwards by mm-hmm. trolls on the internet. You seem to be getting like <laughs> lucky. really good feedback. You, yeah, no, very still, lucky.
3: There's still a few days. to go. Still trolls. Though. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no I, you're right. I actually haven't seen anything negative. Um, wow. But uh, but I've had it in the past, guys. Like you know, I've had an yeah. absolute roller coaster with the media in my career as a young as yeah. a young athlete. Um, but it's a very different time. Like when I was a young athlete, I was, you know, I was only 18, 19 young girl and uh, we didn't praise authenticity back then. So I've always mm. been someone who wears my heart on my sleeve, is brutally honest about my failures and my, and my triumphs. And I think that now that is something that we see powerful women are something to admire and look up to and, and our stories make us stronger rather than looking at someone going, I can't be that, therefore I'm going to troll them, as you say. I, I think mm. that is
1: definitely changing. Just def- it's definitely still out there.
3: Yeah, but I've I just I've, I've had an absolutely wonderful response from the public, which I'm incredibly mm. grateful for.
1: Yeah. Really pleased to hear that. Yeah.
0: um, A lot of um pregnancy and postpartum changes aren't openly spoken about and women can often feel isolated when they experience these changes themselves. What advice would you give to any women who are currently feeling a bit embarrassed about what's going on with their bodies?
3: Oh, that's a fabulous question. And I think one of the hardest things is we think our mums are honest with us about what pregnancy is about. And I think even as Mm. friends, like I look at, I was one of the first in my group to have a baby when I was only 23 years of age, but the amount of shocking things that happen during pregnancy that nobody tells you about (laughs) the varicose veins or the hemorrhoids or the, you know, just the losing all your hair a couple of weeks after the baby's born and the night sweats and the sadness. And the, I mean, we get told you're going to have, you know, nausea and you might get moody and grumpy, but I think the reality of bringing a little human into the world is very different from what we see in the papers mm. and what people talk about. Um, and that is a message that's getting out there more but I think it is is strong that we need to be able to normalize a lot of the things that are associated with pregnancy so that women aren't shocked by it. And, and mm. one of the one of the biggest things that I had with it was yes I had incontinence and I got varicose veins and you know stretch marks and whatnot but for for a couple of things that for me that were was so so hard was that lack of control once the baby's born. You know, I've always been successful and been a woman in control of my life, and yet this little person took all of that away the first the mm. first time and just not being able to make them sleep or not being able to make them feed and just feeling like you aren't doing you the right job. And I don't think any mom, new mum is prepared for that phase where they doubt themselves so much so um, and often don't reach out for help. So there's, mm. yeah. Not saying that motherhood's not great because I know Joe you haven't had a baby, mm-hmm. but it's wonderful. Yeah. Totally <laughs> Neither is Hannah. We're both childless. <laughs> We're
1: both <okay. laughs>
3: um, it is definitely worth doing. Um, I mean, I did it as a single parent. You know, I had the two, my two middle mm. children by myself. Mm. So clearly, I thought it was the right. It was worth doing. But it's mm. there are lots of things that your body goes through, and it takes a little while to you can look and look yourself in the mirror and say, "Wow, what, what I'm left with is because I did something so amazing as create another human." So that's what we want women to get to is to genuinely look at the stretch mark and go, that's my little war wound of carrying my beautiful child for nine months rather than, Mm. oh gosh, that's
1: hideous. Mm. Yeah, for sure. We see a lot of um, stuff on social media, I guess, that warps our perspective of what is real life and exactly right. everyone makes having a baby look amazing and then you <laughs> speak to your close friends about it and they're like no <laughs> not exactly <laughs> it's not all rainbows and butterflies I remember we did a podcast episode early days Hannah yeah um, where one of our was... team members uh, was talking about uh, how she got salami nipples is what she called them yep. um, <laughs> after when she was pregnant. So um, that was certainly a shock to us. Oh, but um, yeah, as Hannah mentioned, a lot of um, women go through those changes with their bodies. I am wanted to know about um, what was it like, I guess, going back
0: into like after having a career and then, starting like a medical degree? Cause that's tough. Like that's not an easy degree to go into.
3: No, I don't know why I always try and bite off more <laughs> than I can chew, but you know, in all truth, I've always wanted to be a doctor long before mm. my athletics career. It was, it was the career that I really wanted. And, um, and then I had this perfect excuse all through my twenties that I was running, you know, running around the world and, West in all truth. And I secretly, I thought I wasn't clever enough to do medicine. So Mm. it was a great excuse to not try. And then, you know, I got to the end of my athletics career and I hadn't achieved the goal that I wanted, which was Olympic gold medal. And I thought I need to just stop having fear and just sit the exam to get in and see if I see if I've got it. So, um, you know, the day I got in was absolutely amazing to, to think that, you know, that I was able or going to go down that path was, was, was fabulous. And I know I'm def- definitely one of the lucky ones because there are, I have a lot of friends post-sport who find that next step in life incredibly yeah. difficult. And mm. actually, you know, it's not just sport. It's all of us that do career changes midway through our life or even becoming a mother or getting married. This When your life has a big fundamental turn and, um and, and your identity changes, it, it can be quite mm. difficult to then find that next mm. path. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a lot to be proud of. What's next for you? Like what's your (laughs) goal career-wise and personally and is there exciting things on the horizon I hope so (laughs) I
3: I haven't lived all my life before I'm 40 but
1: um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's possible you never know I do want to slow down a bit though guys like I think that's what SAS taught me is actually I am actually really proud of what I have achieved already in my life and that Mm -hmm. parts of it I did too quickly um, and I didn't stop and smell the roses and actually appreciate how lucky I was to have some of those experiences and like I can't even remember some of my races overseas at the Olympics because it it was I was so nervous pressure was on. So I've almost dismissed those experiences as someone else's life. And you're like, oh, you know, mm. that that was me. Mm. Um, so my, yeah, my biggest goal going forward is, is still to kick big goals. You know, I want to be an obstetrician gynecologist, which is a huge, lengthy, difficult training program. Um, but, mm. you know, that means delivering babies and working with things like incontinence and prolapse and stuff. So um, they're, it's going to be hard, it's going to be a hard road, but I just want to take it a bit slower so that I'm around for my kids more um, and actually get to appreciate life a little more. That's what I've learned most from SAS.
1: Well, obviously you've been a massive inspiration to a lot of women out there, so we very much appreciate your time today and taking the time to talk us through the probably awkward moment of (laughs) wetting your pants on (laughs) national TV, but we very much appreciate it. Thanks for
3: having me. See you later.
1: So we have another repeat guest with us today to talk about what actually gives you glowy skin. Katie Bacon joins us. She is Murad's facialist and global educator, but she's also a clinical nutritionist and cosmetic chemist. A big resume there, Katie. <laughs> Thank you. Yes,
2: I'm addicted to study. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can
1: see that. Um, so today we're talking about glowy skin, which, you know, we all strive to achieve. So, that glowing, radiant, bouncy looking skin, it's something that most of us are trying to achieve from our skincare. Can you explain what's actually happening physiologically
2: that contributes to glowing, radiant complexions? Of course. So, glowy skin, of course, can mean different things to a lot of us. But what we're talking about is really that healthy, lit from within glow that you get when you just are radiant. But from that physiological perspective skin that's well hydrated is really going to reflect that light better making it appear glowy or more youthful um, i always think of babies right they're super radiant and mm. we know that when we're younger skin's going to look more glowy because we have this really healthy natural cell turnover which is about 28 days um, but as we age that cell turnover frequency decreases and it can take up to 55 days which is why we can appear duller and more uneven. And we Mm -hmm. also know that with a glowing skin, it's really well balanced. So that means we're not going to have that dullness that's associated with dehydration. There's going to be no flaky or dry patches, which um, I know you talk about the skin barrier a lot, but these are indications that the skin's barrier isn't necessarily functioning properly. And um, Mm -hmm. what
0: are the biggest factors that contribute to dullness and what can we do to increase the glow?
2: So there's a few, there's a few things So bear, bear with me as I go through, but definitely I think a couple of big points that affect us looking glowy is diet and lifestyle, right? So smoking, perhaps diets that are going to be high in those refined foods. Stress and sleep is a big one. Um, so sleep in particular is really key in achieving that healthy, glowy skin. And we know that when we get that restful sleep, our bodies produce something called a human growth factor. Now this is actually responsible for cell turnover and collagen production so that, that bouncy, look that we get to our skin. And I think not surprising in this pandemic world, stress. Uh, So it's now clinically proven that stress ages us and we know it makes us look dull and devitalised. And then there are other factors which I know you guys talk about a lot, but poor skincare, over exfoliation and not hydrating. So they're typical things that can affect our glow, but there are loads of things we can do like increasing our water intake. So hydration is life, right? So um, I always channel Dr. Murad because he says to everybody, are you drier today than you were 10 years ago? And the answer is always yes. Uh, So as we age, we get drier, which means that we need to have our diets and our topical products address hydration, your fresh fruits and veggies. So having those naturally rich antioxidants, particularly your C's, B's, and zinc. So we know they help with free radicals and also help with dullness, hydrating the skin and exercise. So exercise really helps bring oxygen rich blood to improve our skin cells and improve our circulation.
1: I will say, Hannah, and you'll be really proud of me for this, but I got this new Aspect drink bottle and it's got like little um, things. I'll show you. It's got like little things on the side that tell you like Uh, where. So it's like get started, stay hydrated, keep drinking. And that's pointed out to me that maybe I'm a child because that's what I've (laughs) needed to be able to drink a whole bottle of water. Katie, <laughs> Hannah and I are really bad at drinking water and even my housemate is always like, how does your skin really look the bad. way it does? Really bad and also bad with sleep. Yeah, same. I'm not a good sleeper anymore. Um, so I think that's definitely changed my skin a little bit. Like I've noticed that over the pandemic as well. So do you think a lot of people are noticing changes in their skin from like the stress of the pandemic and changes to their like,
2: I guess, schedules? Yeah, well, if you think a lot of the factors people notice when they don't sleep and are more stressed, we get more sensitive. Our skin can look redder. And we can be sometimes more reactive to topical skin products we've always used, particularly if you love your acids. And, you know, most of the time you're fine putting them on. But then one day you're like, wow, that really stings more than normal. Mm. Um, and we look... I guess you notice those fine lines and wrinkles more and you look dull and that's just the the way that your body's got better things to worry about than regeneration and repair. It's focusing mm-hmm. on sort of that uh, prehistoric part of us, which is riding from a saber-toothed tiger, that stress response, which is all about caring for the internal body. So our skin sadly is is very neglected in times of stress.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, how about the pregnancy glow? Because not everyone gets it. Oh, it's a bit
2: cruel, isn't it? That some get and some don't. Uh, look, there's there's so many factors. So, pregnancy glow typically is attributed to increase in circulation and blood volume, as well as changes in your hormones. So, particularly your progesterone, um, which affects oils. So. For some, that increase in oil production is going to give you that beautiful, vibrant, glowy, radiant skin. Uh, For others, sadly, it might make worse. So eczema, rosacea, periorbital dermatitis, all of these factors can actually be made worse. So I think sometimes it's a bit of a lucky dip when it comes to pregnancy glow. Mm. (laughs) Hopefully
1: (laughs) we
0: get the uh, the good version. (laughs) I've told this story before, but a guy once told me on a date that I looked shiny, which is not the vibe I was going for. But... um
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think he was trying to be nice. He just didn't know the right wording.
0: <laughs> I'll never stop saying that. I'll never stop <laughs> telling that story. Um, Like a, a different skin types glowier than others? Look,
2: the, the the healthy balance of oil flow is going to give you definitely more radiant-looking skin because your skin's made up of, of course, water and oil. So when you've got that in balance, that's when you have the most radiant skin. Sadly, I'm a true dry skin, Um, so I have to load my skin up with lipids to be able to get that glowy skin because drier skin does look more dull um, but then on the flip side if you have too much oil then you have that that shiny look so I guess that combination skin probably is the most beneficial to get that real glowy look um, but it's just having that healthy balance so finding products that are going to keep that level of hydration and oil balanced on the skin will be key
1: and it's also around like light reflection as well isn't it like the way I don't know what's what salad is it sides that are packed closely together and then that makes it reflect off yeah see I'm learning something <laughs>
2: <laughs> in my core, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. So the, the better, and again, better hydrated the skin, the better you're going to get that mm. reflection of light. And also, um, a well exfoliated skin, not over exfoliated, but you know, gentle, regular exfoliation lifts those dulling surface debris off the skin. Because if you think you've got layers and layers of skin and you do have those layers of redundant, what we call dead redundant buildup on the skin, and that can make us appear duller when we may not always be. Um, So gentle Mm -hmm. exfoliation helps lift that off um, and helps reveal sort of that fresher looking skin too. Mm -hmm. So onto ingredients
0: now, are there any go-to ingredients that you recommend for achieving the glowing skin?
2: Yes, always. So I think it's no secret that I, or no surprise, I should say, that vitamin C has got to be up there as sort of the top go-to, right? I think it's sort of, everyone thinks of it as the ultimate glow up ingredient. Um, We know it's a super important antioxidant and uh, it really helps to lighten, brighten and tighten. So that's my go to. And I personally love the Murad Vitamin C glycolic brightening serum because it does contain Vit C and glycolic. So it's that combination mm-hmm. with exfoliation and brightening. Uh, next, oh, oh, retinols. So that's got to be a gold standard in regen. So they're incredible at normalizing skin, particularly if you're oily. I love retinols for an oilier skin because they really help to balance the skin out um, mm-hmm. they help increase cell turnover and really encourage a plumper healthier looking skin uh, joe one for you is ceramides because um, i know, mm-hmm. know we talk about the barrier a lot but ceramides naturally occur in our cell membrane so they're a really important part of our skin's hydration and skin barrier which is going to reflect light and help us look more glowy uh, gosh there's a few topical hyaluronic acid glycerin um, lactic acid, a great brightener that helps prevent uh, water loss in the skin and also strengthens the barrier.
1: So for those mm. people who are listening who may be over exfoliating, how often would you recommend using an exfoliant? And would you suggest using a physical or a chemical or a mixture of both? Because I'm really loving that Murad
2: Vita C peel is it? Or oh mask? the triple is it a triple exfoliating facial? Yes yes, <laughs> yes. yeah yeah that's a popular one. I love that one.
1: and I don't normally like physical
2: exfoliants at all. Well that one's a bit of magic because it's sort of gently buffing but then you've got the mm. blend of your acids and your enzymes that sort of munch away those dead skin cells. Yeah. Um, I think Exfoliation is a bit unique to the person. I mean, I'm a dry, more sensitive person, so I personally don't ever use scrubs. I love Mm chemicals, so I love you know, your acids in terms of liquid exfoliation, I think a couple of times a week is great. Uh, But if you're more thick, your skin's really robust, Um, especially if you're a darker skin tone that typically tends to have a stronger skin, then it depends. You could use acids or or granular as long as it's not, I guess, those really gritty kind of skin-damaging ones, but nice Mm jojobas, then they're really great two to three times a week um, or looking for skincare that incorporates you know, your acids into or enzymes into the skincare. So it's a da- gentle daily exfoliation is a really great way of doing it without over exfoliating.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hannah, how often do you exfoliate? A mm, couple
1: of times a week, I would say. What about you? Okay. Interesting. I think I'm probably like every second night at the moment. Like what exfoliant do you use? Um, I would go like a mixture of chemical exfoliants. So I'll use like different AHA serums and stuff every second night and then on those nights that I'm not mm. using those ingredients I'm using like my vitamin Bs, like my rich moisturizers, things like that to restore moisture and hydration. And then on the other night's using like my retinols and AHAs and things like that.
2: That's awesome. So you're replenishing as you're regenerating. That's that's trying to. standard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: drinking more water. So I'm I'm on a path to success. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Katie. It's been great to chat to you again. Thanks for helping us out with um, glowy skin. Hopefully our audience are also on the on the track to achieving their glowy skin goals.
2: Amazing. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to see you guys. Product we didn't know we
0: needed, Hannah. I wanted to chat today about a new sunscreen on Adore Beauty. It's the Aesthetics RX Face and Body Sunscreen SPF 50. And um, the reason I wanted to do a bit of a PSA on this is because it's not only like a lightweight sort of SPF, broad spectrum, it absorbs really quickly Um It's. I think the thing about it that I wanted to call out to is it contains this patented UVB filtering technology that allows small amount of UVB light so that the body can make vitamin D without sacrificing the sun protection, which Mm -hmm. I thought for me, I am deficient in vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was really interesting that they've created this patented technology that still allows you to get your vitamin D because I do go outside to read my book in the sun, you know, not for more than, you know, 15 minutes. And I always obviously like to
1: wear SPF. So I just thought that was a really interesting formulation. Yeah, that is interesting because I'd be keen to know whether it still offers the same UVB protection. Like have they put something in there that doesn't remove the protection?
0: All right, so I've got the how it works um, and I don't want to stuff this up so I might just um, read it out. Um, It is as effective as um, other sunscreens with equivalent SPF and broad-spectrum ratings at preventing erythema and sunburn. So I think that's erythema's redness, right? Yeah. You would know. Mm Yep. This is so even though it permits increased levels of UBB to be transmitted compared to other sunscreen, the patented technology used in our formulation has undergone rigorous testing and is substantiated by clinical studies. So it's actually got on here the clinical studies. So there was a peer review study, new approach to develop optimised sunscreen that enable cutaneous vitamin D formation with minimal erythema risk. There you go. That's
1: really interesting because I think that's a reason that a lot of people say that, oh no, I shouldn't wear my sunscreen out on yeah. my body because I need to absorb vitamin D, which is largely a myth. Like you still can absorb some vitamin D because a lot of people don't wear enough sunscreen anyway. Um, yeah. But that's really interesting that they've found a way to formulate that because SPF is... SPF is tested by the minimal erythema dose, which is shortened to MED, and that is the threshold for UVB to cause burning on the skin. So that's really interesting that they've obviously tested that by the TGA for it to be approved for use in Australia. And that's a face and body sunscreen, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I just thought that was a really interesting SPF to Mm. call out to um, because it's unlike anything that I've ever seen on the market. Well, it is because it's got a patent. So that's mine. What is yours?
1: So I actually wanted to speak to my PWD KWN and then speak about two other products that we don't stock that I'm currently really liking and using regularly in my routine. So my actual PWD KWN is the Makeup Forever Aqua Resist Colour Pencil in the Mm -hmm. shade Ebony. Now, this is a very, very dark brown. It's almost black but not quite. Um, So I'd say it's almost bordering on charcoal um, but it is technically a brown brown. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love. Do you have these pencils? I feel like you would have. Oh, I do. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The twenty,
0: the twenty-four hour. Yes, I gave yeah. Linda the blue one because her blue eyeliner
1: always. I love runs the down blue of- one. It's such a nice colour.
0: It doesn't move. It like it's really yeah. it just
1: stays poor. So you can use this on um like your upper lids, you can use it in the waterline, you can literally use it everywhere. It stays really, really well. Um the color forest is really nice too. That's a green. And then the blue one that you gave Linda is also really, really nice. Um, They've got heaps of different colours, but it is really long-lasting and it blends really well too. Like I use it sometimes to just do like a winged liner but with more smudging. Um, Mm -hmm. So I use it for that and I just use an angled brush to like wing it out. Very pigmented, I also use it in my waterline too if I'm doing like a very, very glam going out look. Um, I posted thirst trap on my Instagram recently wearing it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is my PWD KWN for today. That's how much is it? 35 bucks. That's not too bad for like a high end pencil. Um, and then the other two products that I'm trying at the moment that I'm really, really liking is the Home Beauty Primer. It's Hillary Holmes. If you know her. She's a Geelong-based yeah. makeup artist. Uh, she has a really beautiful primer out at the moment, which I've been using and mixing with MAC Face and Body. And then also the Habitual Beauty uh, Rejuvenating Facial Oil, which has vitamin C and bakuchiol in it, which I'm really liking. I don't usually like facial oils that much. Like I have a couple that I rotate, uh, but I just keep going back to this because I wake up really glowy the next day. So... Yeah, I feel like I always get asked on Instagram, like, do you use anything that's not stocked at Adore Beauty? And I do sometimes, but not that often.
0: I'm actually using from Chemist Warehouse. Um yeah. I just gotta pull it up. It's the John Plunkett Superfade Cream, original cream. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to get it from the pharmacist. It's that oh. strong. Yeah. So, so I like
1: compounded or
0: no, no, no. Just it's, over the just counter. A, it's a pharmacy over-the-counter. So it's yeah. basically because it's got Oh, I'll tell you what's in it. It's got hydroquinone yes. and I think it's got salicylic acid. Um Yeah, so I've only just started using it on my melasma. My melasma moustache is like out ah. of control. Um, so I'm using it on that at the moment. So I'll, maybe I'll update later because you're not meant to use it. Like it's a spot. It's kind of like a spot treatment for pigment.
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that.
0: So I use the pigment punch all over my face and then I'm try- I don't want to use this every day because it's got like – I think it's got quite a lot of active ingredients. Um, Are you using it on your chest as well? I've got a sunspot that I'm using on my chest and then mm-hmm. I've got the just above my lip and I'm just a bit worried because, you know, I get like, I'm just worried that it's so strong that I don't want to overdo it. So I'm doing yeah. it like every, every few days just yeah. to see that like my skin will tolerate it. But yeah, I'll update yeah. you about how my, my problem with my mustache is like it goes away from products and then yeah. as soon as it's hot and sunny, it just comes back. Yes.
1: Comes back. Comes back. Uh, that's the fun of melasma.
0: Have you watched this? I'm going to watch it. Everyone's been talking about it. Guys on Hinge won't stop talking about Squid, Squid Game.
1: Game. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about that. Um, I started watching the first episode and I just was like, what is this? Like I'd heard all the hype as well and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm in the mood for this today, like having to follow something so closely. So I stopped I stopped watching that and I put Vigil on which is on binge which I highly recommend watching. Have you watched the whole Squid Game or have you started I haven't it? I've even
0: started it. I okay. watched something so I watched something else that I then said to my parents like oh my god it's the best show that I've ever like it's It was one of the best shows that I've, new shows that I've seen in a really long time. What was it? Um, It's called Scenes from a Marriage. It's on Binge. Ah, It's got Oscar Isaac Hart and um, Jessica Chastain. So they play (laughs) a married couple that's going through like, it just made me never want to get married, first of all. Wait, is
1: he the guy that she was on the red carpet with? Yes, yes. Where he kissed her armpit. Yes, her armpit. I would yes. if someone got that close to my armpit, I I <laughs> worry was, they would gag on camera. <laughs> that was their, them doing I think they were doing
0: press for so this yeah. is so relevant. Yeah, yeah. So that is like they're in the show together and it's like uh, very very much like a monologue. So each episode okay. is them interacting and it's it if you were ever thinking like if you're single and you're like everyone's married, can you watch this show and just like mm. Enjoy being single because it really. I, I'm not saying that all marriages are like this, but whoa! <laughs> and I really, really highly recommend it. And I, yeah, I, I, don't look. My parents were just like, this is so boring. Um, uh, m- mum watches, like you know, Real Housewives of Yeah. So that's all she is watching at the moment. So it's probably okay. a little. It was probably a bit too much for her in her current mm. state. But yeah, highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> Anything else that you've watched recently? Uh, I'm currently making my way through crimes that shook Australia on, um, binge as well. I have like watched it when it aired on TV, but I haven't seen all the episodes. So that's a really good, like documentary series that goes through like one case at a time. And it'd probably be cases that you've heard of before. Um, if you're into true crime stuff, but that's very good. It's making me want to do a crime podcast. Um, and if you're listening and think I should do a crime podcast, let yes, me know because I'm I think you honestly should. thinking about it and I feel oh like God, it could be a I vibe. Think, I
0: feel like you 100% should.
1: Yeah, I think it'd give me some joy back in my life. <laughs> I, I, I would love to see you doing a crime podcast. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll think about it a bit further. Um, so that's the other thing I'm watching, and then I'm finished a million little things, which is kind of like a family based, uh, probably not suitable for children, but yeah, like a it revolves around a few different families and couples, and it's quite good. Um, and then I'm watch I'm up to date with Ted Lasso as well. Anything else on your list? Yes, I love Easy on
0: Netflix. Um, I've just. Mm-hmm. I already watched season one and season two and I started watching season three last night and it's um, about sex and relationships and whatnot and it's really good. So I think you would actually like it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah.
1: Look into that.
0: There was one episode. The episode I watched last night, and she says yes to every single date for a month, and she gets dating fatigue. It's really, uh, it's it's right up our alley. I feel like
1: I had that. Yeah, on on br-
0: <laughs> very on brand
1: for us. Yeah, very much so.
0: I think we should do that challenge next year. That we say yes to every single date.
1: Um, that'd be no fun. No thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a hard no for me. It's a hard uh, yes for me.
0: I'm up for anything. <laughs>